As I shared with you maybe about a year ago, uh, sometimes I kind of trick people, and I say as I close, okay, turn to Acts chapter 29. And you were all doing, doing this. Some of you were doing this. And you go, there is no Acts 29. I said, yeah, there is. It's you. You're writing the last paragraph of the last book of the Bible. How is it going to end? What will it say? It's up to us. We are writing the, the, the final pages. Well, when the early believers began to fulfill the Great Commission, Jerusalem first, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, which is here. Everything went smooth, right? There were no problems at all, right? No. It was like, you've got to be kidding me. There are people that don't like us? Uh, yeah, there are. But it comes from a different source. Spiritual warfare is alive and well. And, and uh, the disciples keep, kept getting put in jail. The Apostle Paul kept getting put in jail. Sometimes at uh, our missions uh, uh, recruiting, we kind of leave that part out a, a little bit. But the fun part are, are the jailbreaks. We have jailbreaks in the Bible. In Acts chapter 5, they rounded up the apostles and put them in jail. All right, now what happens is this. In, in the middle of the night, an angel shows up. They see the angel. Wouldn't you like to see an angel? They see the angel. And the angel walks over and opens the door to the prison. Doesn't even use a key. Just, just opens the door. He says, okay, everybody out. Jailbreak. And they all leave. But you know what? That was one case. There are several. We'll, we'll show you a second one in a minute. That's a case where the natural realm that we live in every day intersects the spiritual realm. That's around us every day and you don't see. But sometimes it becomes visible and you see it. And a lot of times it has to do with a specific huge need like saving your life. And uh, the disciples saw the angel. The guards did not. There's selective revelation that, that does go on. You get to see things spiritually if you're born again that others do not. And uh, What's interesting is they, the angel locks the door again. After they're out, he locks the door. They all go away. The next morning, they come to get the uh, disciples. They're not there. But the angel spoke to them. Now, they only, not only saw an angel, they heard an angel giving instructions. And the instructions were to go out the next morning to the Temple Mount and preach the resurrection of Yeshua. And that's what they were doing. And that's where they were starting to get in trouble. They kept getting called back, don't do that. And they kept saying, well, we have to do what God calls us to do. And so now we go to Acts chapter 12. Now what happens is they're going to get serious. They're going to show, okay? So Acts chapter 12. We're going to read through, make comments, and I have a surprise at the end for you. Now, and Luke likes to throw in these action terms. This is a historical narrative. It's not written as mythology or theology. It's historical in nature. Now, Luke is getting excited. About that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the uh, community, the Messianic community. And he killed James, the brother of John. This is Peter, James, and John. All right? He killed James with a sword. That's beheading. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews... He proceeded further to seize Peter also. Okay, first of all, uh, and David Stern gives some good information on the seeming anti-Semitism that we have in John and other places as well. And uh, what John is saying here, when he, when he says that John was a Jew, 
Okay, The disciples were Jews, so they can't really be anti-Semitic. What John is saying is that the Jewish, the term is Judean. The Judean leadership at that time, they were all Sadducees. They are the ones who controlled the corrupt temple and all that was going on. Those were the guys that were after him. All right? What's interesting is we're in chapter 12. By chapter 15, there's a whole lot of Pharisees who have come to the Lord. A lot of Pharisees. You know, it starts out that we kind of perceive them as being the bad guys. They are not. When presented the gospel, can they believe the scriptures? And like what Robin was saying, when you show them the scripture and they see it for themselves, they go, I know who that is. And so there was a large number of Pharisees who had come to faith. But never in the New Testament do we have a case of one Sadducee coming to faith. Not one. Interesting, isn't it? So when it says it pleased the Jews, it meant themselves, the, the, uh, the uh, aristocratic uh, Sadducees that controlled the temple and were getting rich off of doing it. Okay. This, we're going to have some fun in about one minute. So we have, in this section, we have the time, the dates given to us. We have locations, we have names, and even addresses. Very specific a revelation. So they captured Peter. But now it was during the days of unleavened bread. It's Passover. It tells us the time of the year, April. Okay, holiday time. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him out to the people after Passover. Why is that? Well, the law was, the, the political law was you don't have those, he wants them killed. You don't do that during Passover, uh, except if it's Yeshua. Then they break the law, right? That's one of the things, and all of his trials were illegal. So he's trying to keep it legal. And what's happening is he's bring, bringing it down to as soon as Passover is done, Peter, Peter is done. But we're given the time of the year. Remember the weather, probably in Jerusalem in April. It gets cold at night, all right? It gets cold at night. So we have, have that, the time given to us. Now, that sounds like Luke. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, okay, the last night, the 11th hour, Peter was in, in a prayer time, pleading before the Lord, leading the God. No, Peter was sleeping. Isn't that interesting? That's how worried Peter was. He was sleeping <laughs> okay, between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, we have the number of guards given to us here. It's 16 Roman soldiers were guarding Peter. Okay, four, four of the squads. That's the same number that guarded the empty tomb. They haven't learned yet, have they, that 16 Roman soldiers can't stop an angel. Can't stop the God of Israel from doing his, his will. Right? So, there, and it says that there, he's, he's bound by chains. And historical sources tell us that the chains, it wasn't just one chain to Peter into the soldier. It wrapped around Peter, and each soldier had two chains wrapped around Peter. So, what they're saying is, there is no way he can ever get away. It's, there's no way. It's impossible. We've learned our lesson the other time. He's not getting out of here. <clears throat> Now, behold. Now, when Luke says that, he he says something big is about to happen. When he has two of those. Now, behold. An angel of the Lord stood by him. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the intersection between the spiritual realm and natural realm intersects. And there's the angel. Bang! Right there. Standing before Peter. Before Peter. 
And a light shone in the prison. By the way, there's no electricity. Keep, you ever thought, thought of that? It came out of the, of the spiritual glow. And he struck Peter on the side. He, the word struck in the original language means struck. He hit him. He waxed him. I often thought that a good TV show might be struck by an angel. What do you think? Oh, no. He, they, the angel slaps him. It's like, you know, if you want to make a movie, it's one of the funniest movies of all time, of, of what happens here. These are the spiritual giants, our mentors, right? And uh, it's a test of their faith as well. Well, he, say, he, say, he strikes Peter on the side, raises him up, he pulls him up, saying, arise quickly, get up, Peter. And his chains fell off of his hands. They just fell right off. And the angel said to him, gird yourself. He said, get dressed. And put on your sandals. Tie on your sandals. Get, put, your, put your shoes on. Tie them. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment. Get your jacket on. We're getting, this is a jailbreak. We're getting out of here. And follow me. So he went out and followed him. And, <laughs> and did not know that it was done, what was done by the angel was real. But thought he was seeing a vision. Well, Peter had seen some visions. He just had one with concerning Cornelius. So he's saying, you know, this is wonderful. Isn't it like the Lord, the last night of my life, to give me a comforting vision? When I wake up and there they are, the executioners, and I'm going to die, I've I've had some comfort. He wasn't thinking this is real. Real angels, real soldiers, real prison, real escape. And and the reality is what's causing this? How is this happening? And the angel says, okay, follow me. You know, it's like he's being sort of reluctant. So he went out and followed him. Did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. That gate opens all by itself. Isn't Isn't this the coolest story? And they went out and went down on one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. Imagine, I feel it's me, I would say, now what do I do? You know, am I to go somewhere? Where do I go? Well, he is to go somewhere. Now, now what do I do? So, verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, that's the same word that's used over the prodigal son. When he comes to himself, just like reality sets in. He said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Judeans, the leadership. So when he had considered this, he came, here's another address, local address. He came uh, he, to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. This is the Mark that traveled with the Apostle Paul. This is the Mark where uh, he writes the book of Mark. This is the, the Mark that uh, uh, his mother hosted the Last Supper. This is a significant house, but he gives us where this, this takes place. Okay, and so Mark is an eyewitness from this point on. And Mark was a good friend of Peter. And, and after they went to the house of John, whose surname was Mark, uh, here's the key. This is the key verse. Where many were gathered together praying. That's the key verse of this whole chapter. That's, that is what caused the release of Peter from prison. When the community prays together in unity, big things happen. And that's what was going on. Now, I mentioned... The, the fact that it's Passover, this is the end of Passover, the last night, it's, that would be a Shabbat. So basically, this is a Havdalah service that moved into a prayer service for Peter. 
It says that they were praying intensely. Now, it wasn't just, dear Lord, please get Peter out of jail. Amen. This was a deep spiritual prayer time. The same wording is used here that Luke uses in the Garden of Gethsemane of Yeshua, praying intently. Same kind of intense prayer. This this was, was big stuff. Sometimes we're called to that. All right? And when those kind of prayer meetings take place, things happen. Again, where the, the, the spiritual realm intersects with the natural realm and big things happen. Your prayers change things. Peter was set free because people prayed. It wasn't because of Peter's prayers. He wasn't praying. Others were praying. It was because of their prayers that he was set free. And now, I'll try to keep from laughing. But Again, this is one of the reasons we know the Bible's true. Because other uh, groups, when they write about their heroes, their heroes can do no wrong. Every time somebody does something wrong, it's recorded for us right here, right? And here are our spiritual uh, leaders of time past in this prayer meeting. And here's how they react. Many were praying, and Peter knocked at the door. Peter went there, and the door's locked. He's knocking at the door. Okay? He's, he's knocking at the door of the gate, and a girl named Rhoda, she gets her name in the Bible for something she's about to do. She came to answer the door. Who is it? It's Peter. And she lets him in, right? No, that's how we know it's true. She was so excited to hear his voice, she didn't let him in. Because of her gladness, she did not open the door, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now, let's discuss etiquette of, of prayer meetings. Okay, You don't interrupt a prayer meeting, number one. That's, she, she was out of order, right? You don't, uh, you don't give announcements at, at a prayer meeting. And, and how they react, uh, <laughs> again, it, it, it makes me want one to laugh. For gladness, she did not open the door. But ran in and announced, Peter is outside, he's at the door, before the gate. And he said to her, you, by the way, where it says you are beside yourself, that means you're nuts. Rhoda, you are nuts. But she kept insisting. And, and, and so that it was, they said, well, okay, maybe it's his angel. What that means is that they felt that Peter had been executed and his ghost is floating by saying goodbye, which is bad theology, by the way. Nobody, it never crosses their mind that God had answered their prayer. Anybody ever have that? Raise your hands. How do we pray? Do we pray expecting God to hear us? Because he does. Do we pray expecting God to do his will through our prayers? Because he does. In a case like this, to, to release someone from prison? Of course. Peter's far from done. He's got a lot yet to do. It looks really bad for him. But at the 11th hour, at the last minute, people go into an intense time of prayer and he's released by an angel. By an angel. Now, only Peter sees the angel. The Romans don't see the angel. In fact, the next day they get in big trouble. But Peter, when he comes in the room, oh, by the way, I think the conversation went something like this. Rhoda came running in the door. Everybody listen, listen, listen. Peter is here. He's outside the gate. Rhoda, first of all, you're out of order. You know what? We're having a prayer meeting here to pray that he would be released from prison. Yeah, he can't be at the gate because he's in jail. Okay, what, what is wrong with you? Don't you see the reason we're praying that, that he is in prison? We're praying that he would be released. How could he be here if that's what we're doing? But, you know, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? But we do that sometimes. That's how we pray. Well, he'll never answer, but I'm going to pray it anyway. 
I'll pray for your brother or sister, but I know that uh, nothing will happen. Big things happen when people pray. Big things happen when people pray. And I'm giving this message to me way more than you. Okay, trust me on that. When I, when I, as I study these things, I go, oh, that's me on the bad part. Ooh, I have a lot to know and a lot to grow yet. But she kept on insisting. Peter kept on knocking. Now he's still, hey, it's cold out here. Let me in. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. The disciples were astonished at answered prayer. That doesn't fit with the spiritual giants I thought they were. They dealt with faith too and the lack of it. Just like us. They were just like us. But motioning with his hand to keep silent, let me tell you the story. I got testimony here now. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He said, go tell these things to James. This is the James who's the half-brother of Yeshua. Okay. And to the brethren. And he departed from there and went to another place. Now, prayer changed Peter's situation. Prayer saved Peter's life. Your prayers can save someone's life. Now, uh, I'm sure there's things Robin can share uh, with us about the dangers of where she goes and what she does. And people who are called go there anyway. And I heard some speakers speaking yesterday who were in other parts of the world literally being, if you, if you say his name again, we will kill you. And they had the means to do it. And in every case, not one was killed. But in every case, 90% of those listening came to the Lord. They hung in there in spite of opposition. And in their heart, they really believed. If you, it's like Esther. Well, if you're going to kill me, kill me. But I'm not budging. And when they stood their ground, the enemy backed away. And they weren't killed. And they planted congregations. So I guess what, what I'm saying is, as we, we learn, we learn to pray, fear is what holds us back. I mean, fear of what? See, I'm talking to me. Well, if I pray nothing happens, I look bad, right? No. You know, sometimes, sometimes God answers prayers by, uh, I'm, I'll get back to you soon. Yeah, but I want it now. There's a lot of things I want now. And in the course of my life, I see it came later, and I go, wow, I'm glad I waited because that would not have been good. But we don't have those circumstances. We're to pray without ceasing. And sometimes we're called to pray, to pray intently. Now, continuing on is very interesting. <clears throat> Verse 18. Then as soon as it was day, we're going to kill him. There was no small stir among the soldiers. That means there was a big stir among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. He wasn't there. But when, uh, <laughs> when Herod the, uh, had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. See, the guards, are, the Romans are beginning to learn, if you think back a few chapters and then ahead, you don't want to be the guardians of Messianic Jews because they get away and we get killed. It happens over and over again, they, starting with the empty tomb. The angel rolls back the stone and she was not there. And 16 Roman soldiers tried to play dead. Didn't work. Now what? And that keeps happening. We're on the winning team. <laughs> okay? The score, the score is zero. <clears throat> now, <laughs> and then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Next slide. Next verse. Verse 20. Now, Herod had been very angry. It's interesting. Every time you see Herod, he's angry. 
Every time you see him, he's angry. He's the opposite of a spirit-filled person. He's the opposite of Yeshua. He's filled with love and joy and peace and patience. He's angry. That's why he wanted to kill. He was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him, wanted to make peace, having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend. They asked for peace. But because their country was supplied with food by the king's country, so they set a day... On a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne, and gave an oration to them. Now, those of you who go to Israel, you go to this, this exact spot. Okay, outside historical sources, including Josephus, tells us that th- this is a historical event. It took place in the theater at Caesarea. And there's a little niche in the middle of the theater, about halfway down, that that's where Herod would have been sitting and then standing. So, again, a, a history... And archaeology and the Bible can intersect into real places to verify that these, these words are true, historically and theologically accurate. Herod sat on his throne, is right there, and gave an oration to them. The people kept shouting, The voice of a God, not of a man. The voice of a God, not of a man. Then immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him. Peter got struck, and Herod got struck, but one was a little harder than the other because he did not give glory to God, and he died and was eaten by worms. But the word of God grew and multiplied. That part about Herod dying, the way he died, is, re- is recorded in outside history. And the whole thing about being eaten by worms, they give accounts of some gory things. We don't know what happened, but it was not a very pretty sight. Um, but but that, that's historical. The events in Acts chapter 12. Acts 12 begins with Herod being victorious, Peter being in prison, and the word of God being suppressed. Acts chapter 12 ends with Herod dead, Peter set free, and the word of God being proclaimed. And, when, what, and what, how does it end and how does it begin? What, what was the difference? People praying made the difference. It turned it upside down in a very short amount of time. In a very short amount of time. <clears throat> when we look at these things, we need to apply them to us. Because we, we can take the position of saying, well, that's nice. Those people's prayers change those things. Where I'm going, though, is that your prayers can change things. Okay, I was really impressed with what Robin had to say. They're doing the right stuff. We need to pray for them. We need, we need, we need to, to pray for them. Prayers of the believing community. I want to tell you a story. It's a true story because I know the people. It takes place about 30 years ago. Unfortunately, they've all gone to be with the Lord or else we can go and talk to them. But uh, when I was uh, just out of high school, I was involved in a similar activity that Rob was talking about, about youth uh, going on teams and going into foreign countries. It was mainly uh, Mexico at the time mainly the, the border towns. But one of the leaders, our, our church at that time was spearheading this. Our youth pastor had the vision to use young people in foreign countries on teams and do stuff. Evangelize, actually, and it works. And everybody said it wouldn't work, and we took the teams and it did work. I mean, sometimes entire villages would come to the Lord. And what are we doing? All we did was teach the word. We sang songs, teach the word, and we're nice to people. And, and it worked. And still working today. 
And so during that time, a lot of these youth were raised up and became the focal point of our life. It it was missions. Okay? And then any money we made went in in the gas money to to go to Mexico. And so, but Brother George, we'll call him, that's really his name too, would organize these other groups to go further down, way down into central Mexico in the mountains. Now, some of those people down there back then and today, the banditos that you see on TV with the big hats and the, the bandoliers and the guns, they still exist. The thieves and robbers and gangsters, they still exist today. And he was going to go and win them to the Lord. So he went down there and did, wasn't having much success, getting all kinds of opposition. And one evening, he was going from one village to the next, and, and he, his team was at, at a campfire, around a campfire. And all of a sudden, this commotion arose, and all these horses came riding up at full speed. And they came up, and they briefly stopped, and they began to run in circles around the campfire where Brother George's team was located. Then they started shooting all their guns up in the air. All the, it's just like out of, out of a movie, exactly out of a movie. They were doing that, and then they stopped, and they rode off. Brother George thought this was his last day on earth. I'm going to be killed. They've come to kill me. And they, they went away. And a few days later, he was uh, at this little village. By the way, Susan, uh, there's another little part I, I, I remember about the story. And uh, it was a little uh, Mexi- Mexican cafe. Oh, and by the way, they counted the riders, 21. 21 riders ra- around, shooting their guns in the air. So they were in this cafe having something to drink and something to eat. And 21 riders rode up, that 21. And they kind of stormed the, the, the restaurant. Think in terms of what the restaurant would look like. It's, it's, it's a movie set looking thing, okay? They, they came in and so he said, well, he said, well I'm going to die now. now. Now's the day I'm going to die. And so the leader picked up a chair, turned around and sat right in front of him, looked at him and he says, who are you? And what is it that you believe? He goes, well, um, my name's Brother George and I believe the gospel. Let me share it with you. And he was speaking that night at a little church in that little community. And he thought he was going to die. So he said to them, he said, why don't you come to that church and you'll hear what I believe. They all showed up to the church. The invitation was given. All 21 came to the Lord. And afterwards, George, you know, they're weeping and he's sitting at the front row with them and he's saying, you know, I got a question for you. Remember the other night? Out at so-and-so place, it was a campfire, and my team was there, and you guys all came, were riding around us and shooting your guns. He said, what was that all about? He said, oh, we'd come to kill you. And he said, well, why didn't you? There was 21 of you, and you had the guns. He said, well, he says, you didn't see it? George said, no. He said, see what? He said, there were 21 large men, shining men with flaming swords standing around you. 21. George said, we didn't see anything. We did, and we scared us to death. Again, the spiritual world, as needed, intersects with the natural world and reveals to who he wants to see. In that case, it's telling these guys, back off. Well, the story's not over. Several months later, he's back home in the home church, which is where I was. He's giving his, on a Wednesday night prayer meeting, he's telling his story. He's giving his testimony. And he's kind of toward the end. And somebody raises their hand. And they said, Brother George, do you remember the date of that encounter? He says, yeah, I'll never forget. I, I was going to die. I know the exact date. 
He gave him the date. The guy, the guy says, well, on that date, there was an urgency in our church to gather together and to pray for you, to intercede for you. Intercessory prayer. What happened in Acts 12 was intercessory prayer. Now, we didn't know how to pray for you, so we just prayed all night long for you. And he said, there were 21 of us. No accident. Your prayers do things that you don't know anything about. I believe when you get to heaven, there will be people come to you and say, remember that night you prayed for me? That's when I got saved. See, there's stuff we don't know. We really need to pray for Robin and that ministry. Support that with everything you have. What they're doing is the right stuff. The right stuff. Pray without ceasing. I mean, how many books have been written on prayer that are wonderful? Read them. But do it. Do it. You know, this story is kind of funny, but I can't help but think. See, Luke wrote Acts. And Luke was good friends with Paul. Paul, He he traveled with Paul. And and Paul was in jail a lot himself. I can't help but think that at some point in time, they're sitting around a campfire, and Luke's writing the book of Acts. He's getting a little help from Paul. And Paul says, hey, you know that time when Peter, uh, when the angel came and and, and Rhoda... And they didn't believe he was out. He said, make sure you put that in there, okay? And then he says, and, and pray that I get released from jail too while, while you're at it. I, he could use a jailbreak as well. We can put all of our faith and all of our trust in him and move into the spiritual realm without fear. Because sometimes the fear is what are other people going to think of us? That's how I came to the Lord, by seeing other people simply living the life of a believer. That's, that's, sometimes that, that's all it takes. I saw that it was real in them. No one tried to lead me to the Lord. No one. I saw it in you, people like you. I said, that's real, and I want it. So do it. Live the believing life, the spirit-filled life. May your life look like the life of Yeshua, filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. No other religion has that. All of Peter's sermons and acts were about the resurrection. No other religion has that. We serve a living founder, a living savior. No one else does that. That's the story. And we have one commission. Okay, the job of the community is to fulfill the great commission. Support Robert. Let's all stand. Our God God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. For stories like this where we see people falling short of being perfect and yet you still honor their prayers and it it was unbelievable but a miracle is something that is unbelievable. I thank you that we have some unbelievable miracles in this very room. that Other people wrote off and said they will never come to the Lord but they did. They'll never amount to anything but they have. Lord, I pray that we would be as usable as possible before you. Coming out of the, the holidays, may we be, have that sense of being cleansed and clean and looking ahead to what you have for us. I thank you for this congregation, for Larry and for Fran, and for all the work that has gone into it. And for those who come and are fed, may we send forth teams throughout the world, plant congregations. Lord, I just thank you for the things that lie ahead are the best in, things yet in history. The best is yet to come. When things are, are falling apart, that's when we're needed the most. May we seize opportunities. May we recognize divine appointments and be there when we're needed. 
in Yeshua's name. Sing with me. The Lord bless thee. You knew it. And keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. And be gracious unto thee. And be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Shabbat shalom.